listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. My name is Reverend Nick Phillips, and today we are continuing through the Sermon on the Mount as we turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. But before we begin, I invite you to join me in prayer. Gracious God, we gather today in your presence to hear your word for us. And so as we listen, as we hear, as we speak, as we share, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I was growing up, I had a bit of a short temper. I get angry at things or people pretty easily, I think. It still pops up once in a while, but it's pretty rare for me now. It has to be something that kind of really pushes my buttons. Or, you know, one of those days where you're just having a bad day and that one straw just breaks the camel's back, right? You know what I mean. But when I was a kid, it seemed to happen more frequently. I remember getting detention in grade six for losing my temper on the snow pile outside the school. I ended up punching another kid. That got me a couple days' detention. I totally deserved it, and I even knew it at the time when the principal came looking for me. There's a lot of things in our past that we're not proud of. I know I've probably got a closet full of skeletons that I prefer to remain hidden, and I'm sure some of you do as well. But the reality is our past can impact our future. And when we recognize that we need to deal with it, our past can even impact our uh, influence our relationship with God. It can impact our future with God. Past failures, past fights, past hurts, past sin, it can all impact who we are as a child of God today. It could be something really big, or it could even be something that at the time felt really small or insignificant, but in the end, has had a much larger impact than what we expected. Prior to being a Christian and growing is, is seeking to grow in our relationship with God to understand how these events from our past impact us today, but not only today, how they impact our future, even our future with God. Now, Jesus even talks about this in a reading today from Matthew chapter 5, that we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. He builds upon the, the, the commandment he gave to, that was given to Moses, thou shalt not murder, right? Makes pretty good sense to a lot of people. If you don't want to get to heaven, don't murder people. That's generally one of the easier commandments to keep, isn't it? I mean, sure, there are times when you feel like you could just wring somebody's neck, but the actual follow-through is a little tougher to do at times. Jesus says, though, there's even a little bit more to it than this. He says, don't even be angry towards someone. Don't hold on to the anger. And we're like, come on, Jesus, you walked the roads of Israel for 30 years and you're telling us don't get angry at people? I mean, let's be realistic here. But we need to keep in mind that Jesus is, telling, is not telling us we won't get angry. He knows we will. But he's saying don't hold on to the anger. To the point, he says, if you're angry and you're coming before the Lord with an offering and you're still holding on to the anger, drop your offering, go, 
fix the relationship, reconcile yourself to the other person, then come back for your offering. Failure to do so, and you could face judgment. Now, angers are usually a pretty easy thing to identify. You may not be angry every day, or if it's even something further back in your past, you may not even remember what you're angry about until you kind of think of a name or a face, usually at a time when you least expect it. But it's there, it's still kind of hidden behind the scenes. It still has an impact on you even still today, even if you may not perceive it on a daily basis. So what are we to do to make sure we are right in the eyes of God? There's a number of steps that we can take to deal with these past issues, whether it's anger from some situation or a hurt or misunderstanding. Usually this is going to require some aspect of forgiveness, whether we need to seek forgiveness or we need to forgive. Of course, it all depends on the situation. So what, we need to, what we're going to look at first is the need to forgive someone else. Someone has hurt us in some way, so we need to forgive them to help loosen the effect it has on, our, on us, our anger, and our relationship with God. One thing to remember in all of this is that Jesus expects us to forgive. He even commands it. In Luke 17, 3 and 4, Jesus says, So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. We even pray about forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. Jesus taught us this prayer. He teaches us to pray for forgiveness, but also to pray that we may forgive. So we know what Jesus thinks of forgiveness. He thinks it's pretty darn important. So if Jesus says it's important, it must be easy to do, right? No problem. Easy peasy, right? Forgiving others? Don't we wish? Don't we wish? Of course it's not easy to forgive. It's not easy to forgive because events from our past, they're in our past for a reason. They make us angry. They hurt us. They make us bitter, resentful. They all hurt, and they hurt a lot. We may have spent 10, 20, 30, 40 years trying to bury that hurt, forget it. And now Jesus says, forgive? This means we're going to have to deal with it. That's not a lot of fun, especially depending on what kind of hurt we may have experienced. We also need to acknowledge that forgiveness is not a one-time event, and then it's all over. Forgiveness is a process. For some people, maybe all they need is a few hours. But for others, it may take days, weeks, months, maybe even years before we fully realize the benefit of forgiveness in our lives. But the benefits are worth it. Why? Because it removes a burden from our lives. We feel lighter. And it allows us at the same time to draw closer to God. In our prayer times, God may bring a name or a face to mind that we need to forgive or so that we can receive emotional or relational healing. Or maybe we just need 
maybe we just realize it on our own that we need to forgive someone. So where do we start? Well, the first step is that choice that we make. It's more than just saying, I forgive so-and-so, although that's the part of it, the part that we're making the conscious decision that we are going to forgive. But it often takes more than just saying the words. Many people have said, I forgive out loud, but then went on to kind of hold that hurt inside themselves, trying to bury it without ever really dealing with it. And does this make sense at all? We can say, I forgive. It's pretty simple words to say. But to really forgive someone takes more than just saying the words. It requires action. It's not forgiveness if we keep remembering, if we keep replaying the event over and over again. It's not forgiveness if we still feel bitterness and anger. Now, we need to remember, though, that forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. But forgiveness does mean we stop the hold it has over us. Forgiveness is more than just words. It's an action. It's a process we undertake to heal relationships with others, heal relationships with ourselves, and to heal relationships with God. Jesus says in Luke 6, 27, 28, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. That's a big ask there, Jesus. Jesus says, to those who hurt us, we must do good for them, we must bless them, we must pray for them. Imagine. Now, I'm not saying it's always possible to do all these things, because sometimes it's not safe. If someone has seriously abused you in some way or another, you may not want to face that person anymore, for good reason, for your own safety. But you can still find a way to forgive. There's still ways in which you can find the healing God wants you to experience. So in any case, whether we are able to face the person or not, we still seek God's wisdom and how we might do good, how we might bless them, how we might pray for them. We do this in our times of prayer and we let God direct us through it. So I think we've established that forgiveness is important. So let's look at the steps required for forgiveness. The first step, after choosing to actually forgive, the next step, the first step, is to ask God to forgive us for not forgiving. Jesus tells us we must forgive, and if we haven't done it, then we need his forgiveness for us first. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. God has forgiven us first so that we are able to forgive others. Step two is to stop rehearsing it. Stop replaying it. Quit talking about it. Stop re rewinding it and replaying it in our mind. This is what allows the event to maintain its control and power over us. If we stop repeating it, if we stop replaying it, then it loses its power. And in doing so, we also stop punishing the one who hurt us. Step three is to pray to God and ask what he wants us to know about the offender. 
God may give us an insight into something in that person's life which caused them to do what they had done to us. They may not even realize that it happened. They may not know that they hurt us. They may have never meant to hurt us. So we need to seek God's wisdom about the other person in the situation. Step four is to ask God if we had any part to play in it. Did we somehow become an instigator in what happened? Maybe not, but it's good to know if we, if, we have, if we have a guilty part in this. If there is, then we need to step up, we need to own our own actions, and we may need to confess it, repent of it, and seek God's forgiveness in it. Step five is to ask God what He wants to say to us personally. God will have something to say to you about this situation, how to handle it, how to remember it, how he got you through it, and where he is in it. God is always present. We just don't always see it. So we need to ask him what he has to say to us. And following on that to step six, we need to ask God how he managed to turn something that was in meant that was meant to injure, to hurt, to harm, something that was meant to be evil, and how God turned it into something good. He does that thing, sort of thing. He does it a lot. God uses our struggles at times to do good things in our lives. There's plenty of examples in the Bible where God uses someone, someone's struggles to do great things. And there's no better example than Jesus on the cross dying innocently so that we may be free from our own suffering, our own sin. When you look at steps three through six, you will notice that they're all about praying and seeking what God has to say about ourselves, about the other, about the event, the whole process. And so these steps are very important. We can't skip them. We can't rush through them. We need to take our time. And so once we've gone through those steps, once we're through gaining this critically important information from God, then we can move on to the final two steps. Step seven is to pray for the person that we need to forgive, the one who hurt us. At the start of the process, this may seem like something really daunting or even impossible to do. And it may very well be, but if we've spent those three, four steps seeking God's wisdom and direction, then this part becomes easier. Because we just spent time receiving His wisdom, His word for us. And after we do those steps, praying for the person now is a whole lot easier. So what do we pray for? We pray for the same sort of thing that we would want prayed for ourselves. Happiness, health, well-being, whatever, peace, healing. And we pray for that person on a daily basis. Every single day, we pray for the person who hurt us. And eventually, God will release you from that. He will say, you're done. And how will you know? You will know because he's lifted the burden from your heart. You no longer feel it. You've, you've been healed of the event. That's when you know you don't need to pray for them every day anymore. 
It's lost its power. It's lost its control over you. So you can stop praying about it. So step eight, the final step, is to do good for the person. Remember Luke 6, love your enemies, do good for those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. We seek to do these things. We do good for them, we bless them, we pray for them. So how do we know what to do? We ask God. God may give us something to do in one, two, or three, any of the categories, but only if it's safe to do so. Remember, there may be situations where we may not want to confront or meet that person again. If someone has physically or sexually abused you, don't go there. But pray to God because there's still ways you can seek to bless them. And it could be just something as simple as praying, continuing to pray for them. Pray for, their, pray for blessings, pray for understanding, pray for healing. We seek God's wisdom in this. You may even surprise yourself with what God will tell you you can do to be able to bless this person. And so those are the eight steps. Again, well, it's nine steps. Really. The first one is to choose that I'm going to forgive this person, which starts us on the journey of seek God's forgiveness for not forgiving. Stop rehearsing it. Stop replaying it. The third one, ask God what we need to know about that other person. Fourth, ask God what role we had to play in it. Fifth, ask God what he wants you to know personally. Six, ask God how he turns something intended for evil into something good. Seven is to pray for the person daily. And eight is to do good for the other person. So those are the steps. If you need help with those steps, come see me, call me, and I will work with you through them. So that handles forgiving someone else. What if we need to seek forgiveness for something we have done, which when you think about it is really what Jesus is kind of talking about in the Sermon on the Mount? If we want to be closer to God, if we want to honor God, then we must be willing to work at healing broken relationships we have with others including the mistakes or hurts we have caused, maybe even especially for those things. When we hurt someone, we hurt our relationship with God. It impacts our ability to live for Him and, and also our ability to hear from Him. In Scripture, it tells us God will withhold blessings if we do not rectify the situation with other people. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So forgiveness from God, answers to prayer, acceptance of our offerings, including our service, and healing from God, they're all reliant on our proper relationship with others. But not only that, Scripture tells us it puts our eternal reward in jeopardy. It is a great cost if we allow ourselves to maintain these broken relationships without seeking to heal them. So what does this look like? It means if someone confronts you, don't become defensive. Don't try to deflect it. Deal with it. And if it's truly something that we have done, then fix it. 
Acknowledging you have done something wrong is the first step towards reconciliation. There's also maybe a provision for restitution. Think of Zacchaeus. When he met Jesus on the road to Jericho in Luke 19, Jesus went to his house for dinner. And over dinner, Zacchaeus said, Look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And what does Jesus say in reply? Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Zacchaeus repented of his sin. He had stolen from people in his job as a tax collector. But he was willing to do more than that. He said, if I have cheated or stolen from anybody, I will pay back four times the amount. When we, seek, when we make things right with others, when we seek to repair broken relationships, God is more than pleased. Why? Because it fits into the great commandments. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can sh- how can we share the love of God with others? How we can, re- can we receive it if we are unwilling to love others? Whether they have wronged us or if we have wronged someone else. Relationships are important. For God, relationships are important. He built all of this, the universe, everything that is in it, for you, to have a relationship with you because he loves you. Isn't that amazing? When I sat in detention in grade six, I remember they had us write out the incident, what unfolded, how it unfolded, what was going on. I remember some of what I wrote, actually. I owned up that it was a bad day for me, and I was actually trying to get off the snow hill because I knew my fuse was getting really short. And then the kid from grade five jumped in front of me, and I decked him. In my frustration, I let him have it. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I knew it was wrong immediately. And I remember saying in the letter that I hoped that I learned from the event because I had disappointed myself, my family, and those in the school who trusted me. I never got in trouble again. I learned my lesson. If an 11-year-old boy can realize this and change, imagine what God can do when we allow him to heal our brokenness within ourselves and with those who are in relationship with us. Forgiveness is is critically important in our walk with Jesus. It is key in growing in relationship with God and in our ability to receive healing and direction that he wants to give us. May we turn to God for this important work that he wants us to do so that we all may know the love of God in our lives. Let us pray. Father, we we understand that relationships are so important. We understand that relationships with you, our relationship with you is so, so important but also reflecting of our relationship with you is our relationship with others.
you have freely given love to each and every one of us. And sometimes we struggle to share that love with others because of events of our past, events of today even. And so God, give us the wisdom and direction to forgive and to seek forgiveness where it is needed. Lord, help us to start small and grow in our understanding of forgiveness and also in the healing of relationships that you desire to, uh, to bring to wholeness and fullness. Lord, we don't want any brokenness to keep us from you. So we pray for your wisdom and your direction as we seek to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to the best of our ability. For it is in his name we pray, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.